if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it because we're going to be in 1 Corinthians today in chapter 15. Um, if you do not have a Bible with you today or you do not own a Bible, um, they made reference to the hub. There are some out on the counter there at the hub, and there are also some at the back. If you don't own one, that's our gift to you. Um, but also, if you don't have it, it'll be on the screen behind me. Um, this morning, we are looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And on a day like today where we celebrate our risen Savior, what is true, I believe, uh, of all of us is that some of us have probably been here a while, uh, whether to this church or we've been around church for a while. And yet, because of that, it's easy for us to allow a day like today to just pass us by and really miss the true purpose, the true intent of today. And then for some of us, we're coming into church for the first time. Maybe for you, you've never been to any church ever. And the whole idea of church is really a foreign concept. And then there's some of us who are coming in after a long time away, a long time of being disconnected. And I don't mean when I say the church being disconnected from the building, but from the body, the, the believers themselves. And so for all of us, there's a great value in a, in a deep reflection and a joyful celebration of today. But really what we need to do before we jump in is there's this important question, I believe, that is right for us to start with this morning as we get into our text and as we celebrate together. And that question is, what is the point of today? Because all of us, as we're coming in, like I said, all of us are coming from different backgrounds. Each of us, whether from different backgrounds um, and experiences, from family history, each of us has an idea of what the point is today, but not all are correct and so first, we need to kind of probe that question a little bit because today is all about what God has done to reconcile sinners to himself by the work of his son, Jesus. But not all know that. Each of us are coming in with these different ideas and not all of us understand that. And so even some of us may even have an idea of today as far as the, the title and the theme that Christ is risen, but possibly it doesn't go much further than that. And so this is why it's important for us to really press in and ask together, okay, what is the point of today? In fact, I think there's a good example and story about this very issue that I once heard of a young pastor who once asked his son, do you know what the point of Easter is? Now, this is not my own story, although I could absolutely see this happening with my two-year-old, but this young pastor with much hope as a pastor and excitement to get into the subject with his son he leaned in and asked him what he believed. Do you know why? Do you know why we celebrate today? And he said, Jesus went to the cross for us. And the young father asked again, and then what? And this dialogue continued, and the son replied, He died. And the father asked again, and then what? And the son thought for a moment before answering. And the father at this point was thinking, Man, my kid gets it. My kid knows it. He's going to have a good answer here, the good pastor's kid answer. He's going to know. And so the son then replied, Jesus was buried in the tomb, but then he rose. And really excited at his son's accurate response, the father asked another question. And why did he rise? And the son, again, thought for a long time. And at this point, the father's thinking, man, I'm eager for my son's deep theological answer and his good pastor's kid explanation. 
And then the son replied after a long time with the father being really excited so that we could be saved and the Easter bunny could bring us baskets of candy. (laughs) So here's why I tell you this story because this story is a good example of how all of us need a gospel reminder that we need to be reminded of what the true point of today is because for some of us, we have this concept, but it's not the true purpose and point of today. And so as we look together this morning at our text, what we are focusing in on and what we are looking at is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the apostle Paul has been writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And here he's going to give a reminder of the gospel As much in the pastoral letters of Paul, he's often writing to them because of some issues in the church. And in this part of the text, he's really reminding them, here's an important thing that you need to hold to. Not only what Jesus did on the cross, but why he went to the cross and died and why it's incredible that he is risen. And so what we're going to see and we're going to unpack from our text this morning is that when we receive the gospel, we are trusting in the work of Christ that he has risen in new life. And so if you're taking notes this morning, those are your fill in the blanks. I just always love to give those away right out of the gate so you know where we're going in the text. That when we receive the gospel, we are trusting in the work of Christ that he has risen in new life. And so together we're gonna read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse one. Now I, re- now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. Now as we look at this, we see in verse 1, Paul begins with a clear reason. Here is why I am writing to you. Here's what I want to remind you of. He says, the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you are standing in. So for the church in Corinth, he was giving a brief reminder But for some of us, we we may not know what this reminder is of, which causes us to then ask, what is the gospel? Now, the word gospel that we see in the New Testament means good news. But let me tell you something important, that it is important for us to understand that good news can only be good if it invades bad space. There is no reason for the gospel to be good news unless it is invading or eradicating something bad. And so the good from the beginnings that in the beginning of the Bible we see in the first book in Genesis 1, the one and only true God who is holy made us in his image to know him. But then the bad is that we chose sin over relationship with him. And so in scripture we see that What is bad is our sin. The bad news is our sin that separated us from God. And so the framework in which God made us in no longer is being used to reflect the image of God. 
people started reshaping themselves and really to fit their own reflections and their own passions. And this is something we even see today, people doing their own thing to fit their own passions. And so the Apostle Paul even wrote in his letter to the church in Rome, in Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the bad news. So this is the issue. But because God is full of both justice and mercy, he does not leave it there. That in fact, if you go back and you look throughout the Old Testament, God is often saving his people and setting up ways for them to be in relationship with him. And so we see that often through this, what he is saying is, listen, I want you to pursue me. I want you to know me. I want you to choose me. And so in his great love, God sent his son, Jesus, to come and rescue us from our enemies, from our sin, and from ourselves. That all of us together needed saving, even if we didn't know it. Even if today you didn't know it. Even if today you still do not know it. You needed saving. Because all of us at one time or another have really believed that our way or our authority is better than God's. And through this, we have become rebels against God. So where we stand on our own is not the standing of which God would have us stand in. Meaning that you and I chose hell where God chose heaven. You and I chose damnation, but God chose salvation. You and I choose to run from God in our own rebellion, and yet God chose to run after us, so he sent Jesus. And so what this means is that Jesus alone stood in the gap and in the great chasm between us and God becoming the way to the Father so that we might receive the good news of the gospel. And so the gospel, this good news that Paul is preaching, is the good news about Jesus Christ, who came to earth to invade bad space, to reconcile us while we were still sinners, allowing all those who believe in him to have right standing before God and having an intimate relationship with him through belief and new life in Jesus. And so what we need to understand also is that this is a work done by God. It is the grace of God towards guilty sinners who are not able to pursue a holy God on their own. And this is also one of the beautiful truths of the Bible, that it's always been God reaching out to man, not man reaching to God. And our reaching back to him is just a response of his pursuit of us. And so when Paul talks of this good news, which was received by the Corinthians, it was that they had believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior that Christ alone would save them from their sin and their separation from the Father. So to receive this incredible gospel truth, we are confessing. When we confess and we receive, we're saying, yes, I am a sinner. This is the bad news, and I need a Savior. So this is why Paul told the church again in Rome, in his letter to them, later in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he says, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In this, we receive salvation. 
that we are no longer separated from God the Father, but in Christ alone, we are now set free. We are reconciled by the work of Christ. And then as we believe upon Jesus Christ, we are then trusting in his work and what he has done for us. We see here in verse verses three and four that we read that Paul speaks of the work of Christ and he really reminds them, the church, at the beginning of verse three, that he preached to them what he also received. Now, this is an important detail because what it tells us is that Paul did not make up the gospel. He received it. So this is not Paul's gospel in the sense that he created it or fashioned it together. It is Paul's gospel in the sense that he personally believed it and he personally preached it. Even one of my favorite preachers, Charles Spurgeon, once said, the preacher does not make the gospel. If he makes it, it is not worth your having. Originality in preaching, if it be originality in the statement of doctrine, of belief, is falsehood. We are not makers or inventors. We are repeaters. We tell the message we have received. So I want you to know this morning that the good news that I preach to you, that I share to you, is not a good, cozy message of how I feel. It's about what I know and what I've received. And so here, as Paul describes the gospel in the following verses, it's important to notice that this gospel is not some insightful teaching or good advice. At the core of the gospel are true things that happened, that are actual, that are real, and are historical. So the cross for Christ isn't a matter matter of religious opinions. It's not a matter of moral rules or fairy tales but about real, historical, truthful events of God's eternal work for our salvation. And so Paul begins to describe for them in verse three, he says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Now, if you were here on our Good Friday service a couple days ago, we looked at how Jesus voluntarily endured and suffered one of the most grueling and painful forms of punishment made by man. That he died for us. That he was savagely and brutally beaten. That they pulled parts of the beard out of his face. They punched him and they abused him. They filleted his back, ripping off skin He would have been disfigured and bloodied to a place that is so grotesque that it's difficult for us today to comprehend. He was broken and shattered and bloodied, spit and blood dripping off of his face. And at one point, just making him unrecognizable to those who knew him. But even in its brutality, it's important for us not to turn our heads from the ravaged body of Jesus. It's important for us not to turn our eyes away from the suffering of Jesus because what Jesus did on the cross also fulfilled what Old Testament prophets said would come, which is why Paul told us not only that Christ died, but he did so in accordance with the scriptures. And so we see back in the Old Testament before Jesus came in Isaiah 53 verses three through five. Says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. So let me tell you a truth about the cross. Our sins were responsible for the death of Jesus. It was not the nails that held him there. It was our sin. He did not die for a political cause or as an enemy of the state or for someone's envy. Jesus died for our sins. And so Paul also says in verse four that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And in this verse alone, there are two important parts that I want to speak to. And the first is that he was buried and the second that he was raised. Now, when we look at that first part, we don't often think of the burial of Jesus as the part of the gospel, but it is. That the burial of Jesus is important for many reasons. That one, it's, it's the proof that he really died because you don't bury someone who is actually dead. That Jesus' death was confirmed then on the cross before he was taken down to be buried. And finally, Jesus' burial is also important because it also fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Later in Isaiah 53, the, the prophet Isaiah in verse nine says, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. So then after he died and was laid in the grave, he then rose again in a resurrected body. So as Paul says, he was buried and then he was raised. This is the true essential truth of the gospel. This is why we are here. This is why we celebrate. Many other religions and many other beliefs believe that Jesus was a good man, that he lived and that he died. What we believe together is that he was risen. Because if Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins and remove our guilt, then the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest news ever told. That he has risen in new life. This is the gospel. That Jesus took our punishment for sin on the cross and reminded us that he remained a perfect savior through the whole ordeal proved to us by his resurrection. And let me remind you that this is not something that we speculate on or guess if it's true. That's what the beauty of verse five is that Paul tells us. He appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. So here what Paul is referring to is that Jesus appeared to Peter and the apostles and he did so in a resurrected body. Now, some would speculate Some would say, well, he didn't really die on the cross. He just kind of did. And in the tomb, they revived him. And secular historians would say, they just kind of revived him over three days. And then he was fine. Now, let me tell you why that's not true. Because when you stub your toe, you feel like you need crutches for three days. 
let alone the brutal beating of Christ for our sin. So that cannot be true. And so when Jesus appeared, it wasn't just that he rested for a while, that he just kind of died. No, Jesus died a physical death. But he was resurrected because death could not hold the perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. And so here, Paul is making an important point by sharing that Jesus appeared. Because through Jesus' life, death, and now resurrection, we are able to enter into new life. Remember, the bad news is that our sin separates us from God. And so it's not by what we have done or what we can try to do, but what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. That we have been justified before God by the finished work of Jesus. Because you are not saved by what you do or who you are. You are saved by who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. This is the whole basis for Christianity itself. And one of the central doctrines of our faith and and one that really sets Christianity from all other religions or beliefs in the world is justification. Now that word justification is really the exact opposite of condemnation. It's a legal term because to condemn is to declare someone guilty, but to justify is to declare him not guilty, is to declare him innocent and righteous. And so justification is the doctrine that God pardons and he accepts and he declares a sinner to be just on the basis of Christ's right standing before God where we then receive God's peace and his spirit and salvation. And so let me tell you this morning that justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, apart from all other works that you can do and merit of your own doing. So there is no other gospel that saves you. There is no other system that saves you. And there is no other works than Jesus's works that save you. And so this is one of the major and many differences between religion and Christianity. And let me tell you, religion is about what you do. Religion is a list of things that people think that they have to do in order to be accepted by God. It's always do this, do that, do better, do more. That's what religion is all about. But if you in that want to be saved, if you want to receive salvation in the context of religion, you're going to have to do something and keep on doing it until the day you die. And in that, then you must do it perfectly. Because if not, then you're not following, you're doing well. But this is not Christianity. Because Christianity is about what has been done. Christianity is not based on what we do, but upon what Jesus Christ has already done. So if you want to be saved, if you want to receive salvation, you don't have to do anything. You just have to trust in what Jesus Christ has already done for you. This is the good news of the gospel. And we've been going together through the book of Galatians here in our church. 
And as we've been doing that, I've been asking this question constantly, and I think it's appropriate for us to ask this morning. It's that, do you trust in the finished work of Jesus? Do you trust in the finished work of Jesus? Because if this morning you would like to put your trust and your faith in the finished work of Jesus, then respond to this finished work. This finished work put forth by Christ, by the Father, that as Paul would say, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you do this, you will be saved. And so confess with your mouth. Believe, trust in the finished work of Jesus. And through that, and as you do that, that doesn't just mean that we have fire insurance. It means we have eternal assurance. It means we walk in new life of Jesus Christ that we would be baptized and we would follow him as Lord over our life. As Paul would say, as we looked in the book of Galatians earlier, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So it's no longer me living in a context of my rebellious way, my own way, because that's the bad news. But it's Christ who lives in me. That I have received new life, Christ's new life by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So this morning, as we come to a close and we go out from here and we do whatever we've got planned to do, I would just encourage you to ask this question and press in to seek the Lord this morning. Ask him to pierce through your heart that you would trust in the finished work of Jesus. Let's pray.